Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. There's, there's a lot of standing. And yes, the devil is defeated. Yes, his work has been destroyed. Colossians 2.15 says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly in it, in, God, in Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 11, I believe, it says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. And to bury our head, and what most believers do is they don't really understand the enemy is very real. And even though he's been defeated, he still has wiles. He still has devices. And he wants an inroad into your soul, into that arena, and he wants to defeat you even though you're born again. But the Bible says he comes as a roaring lion. And mostly people say this, and I understand he's a toothless lion. I get that. But he sure is gumming a lot of people to death. Because a lot of the church is not victorious. A lot of the church is not ruling and reigning. Right? And, and so we have to understand, the roar of a lion is to mark his territory. And even though you've been born again, the devil wants to keep you underfoot. But you have, according to Ephesians 2.6, you've been raised up together with the Lord Jesus. And you're seated in heavenly places. In heavenly places what? Ephesians chapter 1 says that Jesus, the greatest power ever, was when Jesus was raised from the dead. And he was raised up and he conquered the enemy and he is seated far above. Everybody say far above. far above. How far above is far above? It's like flying in an airplane and looking down at a semi-truck thinking that you could pick that semi-truck up with your thumb and your finger. That's the way life is supposed to be for you. We're not supposed to be down here fighting the devil. We're seated in heavenly places in. Don't forget you're in. You're not there alone. You're in Christ Jesus. But you are far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that's been given a name. And a lot of people say, you know, I've had people prophesy to me, and it scared me for a minute. They said, well, the higher you go up, they said, you're going up to another level, and the devils are bigger on that level. And I thought, dear God, I don't like the devils on this level. Why would I want bigger devils? And some up, Opal came up to me afterwards, and she said, Pastor Mark, doesn't matter how big they get. You're still, I, th I think she saw the fear on my face or something. She said, doesn't matter how big they get, you're still seated above them. Come on, they're under our feet. Come on, you remember you charismaniacs? They're under my feet. <laughs> they're under my feet. What? Because uh, the devil is under your feet, but you got to keep him there. How? Stand against. Remember the apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. What's the devil trying to do to you and try to do to me? At least he still tries to do it to me. Is he trying to do it to you? He tries to move you. What's he trying to move you from? Your seat. If he can get you up and try to fight on this level in your soul realm, the devil will win. Now, I know, I, I know we live in Huntsville, Madison, Alabama, and you are smart people. You're some engineers. I mean, you got to maybe even had a doctor in front of your name. But your brilliance is no match for the devil. You have to keep him in. If you keep him in the realm of the spirit, you'll win every time. But if he can get you in circumstances and in your soul and in your mind, you're going to lose. You can't reason with him. He's unreasonable. And you can't reason things out. you got to stay in the spirit. And so what do we got to do? We got to stand against. Well, you know what? I mean, we're supposed to put on the whole armor. Because, you know, in my circle where I come from, you know, where, where I come from, where they're known for the shield of faith. And I appreciate that. And a lot of people think the shield of faith is the most important weapon. But the truth of the matter is they're all important. And if I had to pick the most important weapon, I would pick the loin belt of truth, the logos, the written word. Because on the logos, everything hangs. Without the written word of God, you'll fall apart. Without the written word of God, there is no shield of faith. Because you, faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The written word of God, which becomes a rhema, which is the two-edged sword. 
right? The breastplate of righteousness can only be found in the written word of God. But remember, you've got to have on. You've got to have a, we prayed it out again today. Righteousness is one of the greatest revelations that you need for this hour. The righteous revelation, because yes, you know, I know people put on the armor, but you ought to put it on by getting a revelation and leave it on. And righteousness does what? That breastplate, that breastplate uh, protects your internal organs. Because if you get a sword from the, a fiery dart from the enemy, a sword from the enemy, and it goes through your lungs, through your heart, and that, that, that's what the picture you're supposed to get. Your righteousness and a revelation of it. Remember Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, so you could become righteous. Your righteousness not, does not grow. You are as righteous as you're ever going to be the day you got born again. No, listen, you are as, you got to understand that. You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. The fruit of your righteousness will grow as revelation. But you're righteous. Everybody say, I'm righteous. How are you righteous? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget the in. Amen. So then we talked about. The shield of faith gets all those fiery darts, all those wiles, everything coming at the devil. And then uh, at verse 17, here we are. Man, we're about to finish out Ephesians strong. Hallelujah. Take the helmet of salvation. And then it talks about the sword of the spirit. So for tonight, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. So a helmet of salvation, where do you wear a helmet? On your head. What does the helmet protect? Your Your brains. <laughs> How many of you know you get a sword through the head and you're also done, right? So the enemy, one of the main places he's firing towards to get past the shield of faith is your mind. You all know this. You are a spirit. How many are born again? Everybody in the room. I'm born again. So what does that mean? Your spirit is alive unto God. Your spirit did not get made over. You know, I love those shows. I love to watch the car shows where they take an old junker and put it back to its glory. Hallelujah. Uh, if anyone wants to get me a Dodge 72 Charger, I'll take it. Hallelujah. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I love the houses when they, you know, they, they take those houses and they put them, they restore them and put them back. That's really um, the soul. Your spirit is born again. Your soul's the one that needs restored. Because a lot of people think, well, I, I've been hurting my spirit. Your spirit's not hurt. Well, they destroyed my spirit. No, they didn't. It's, it's, it's made in the likeness and the image of God. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. You need to feed it. You need to feed it with the word of God, and you need to keep it strong where it's in ascendance in your life. But the third, this middle part of you, and how many of y'all are living in a body? Everybody living in a body? Please stay there. Hallelujah. You're living it because the apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you're born again. So this is your house you live in. I'm looking out here. We have all kinds of different homes in the room. And I like that. But this is just a home. This is just a house. That's all it is. It's just a house. Now, if you lose your house, hopefully you're born again because you're moving. If you lose your house, you're going somewhere. Aren't you glad you're going to heaven? The middle part of you, he said, you have a, you are a spirit, which is created in the likeness image of God. As soon as it gets born again, it's righteous. You got, you got to feed it and keep it strong. But then the middle of you is your soul. And y'all know what your soul is. What's your soul? Mind, will, and what? Emotions. So uh, your will, what do you got to do with it? You got to make your will his will. And God won't override your will. Oh, he can do some things to help you out. And like, let's ask, let's ask the man named Saul who became Paul. I mean, he can, he can intervene big, but you still have to make choices and decisions. He gave Adam and Eve a will. And I say this to make some people mad, but I don't care. The truth of the matter is the greatest blessing God gave you is a will. One of the worst things God gave you is a will. Because he didn't want us to be puppets. He wanted us to choose him. Amen. And so wills are very important. Wills. God doesn't override wills. He can influence. He can help. But you make the choices. That's why he said this. Today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, I bring all of heaven to record. This today is what I'm doing with human beings. You, I set before you. I set it before you. Either life, death, blessing or cursing. And then he gave you the answer to the test. He said, choose life. Amen. Do what? Choose it. 
choose it. Well, I just believe whatever will be will be. I just believe the will of the Lord will be done. You believe wrong. Because that's not the way this works. You have to choose. Well, I just believe God is sovereign. I do too. He's sovereign to his word. And what he said is what he's going to do. And he told you to choose. You cannot ask God to do what he's told you to do. You can't leave up to God what he's left up to you to do. And he's asked you to choose. And you got to choose. You had to choose him in salvation, didn't you? If you don't choose him, what happens? You go to hell. Oh, we shouldn't say that anymore. If you don't choose him, you go to hell. That's what happens. It'd be a crime not to tell people that. Okay. So soul. So why does that have to do with soul? Well, because the helmet of salvation has to do with your soul. So your will has to be yielded to his will. Father, didn't even Jesus pray that? Man, I'm trying to get there. Hallelujah. Father, not my will, but if Jesus had to pray that, you and I should really kind of pray that one regularly. (laughs) Father, not my will, but your will be done. Right? So that's the will. Emotions. How many got any? (laughs) Men have them. Women have them. Everybody got them. God gave them. God gave them. But see, that's the part of you that gets damaged. We don't have to raise hands or we're not going to have a testimony service. But we could all tell how our soul has been damaged. But the great thing is, one of the, Jesus, one of the things Jesus said he was anointed to do was to heal the brokenhearted. The good thing is, if your car gets dinged up, you can take it and get it fixed and make it brand new again. If somebody puts a hole in, the, uh, in your, a wall in your house, you can call somebody. Well, I would have to call somebody. Some of you might be able to fix it yourself. But it can be fixed. Jesus came to heal the holes in your soul that people caused you or that you caused you. Or the devil caused you. He is the healer of a broken heart. What does this have to do with the helmet of salvation? Because it has to do with your soul. And their soul is the pivotal part of you when it comes to opposing the enemy. And if you don't take care of your soul, because the battlefield, didn't Joyce write one of the best books ever? The battlefield is the mind. And uh, Brother Rick clearly explained last Sunday night. What the, what, how the, the road the devil used. And you can, you can see where you are on that road. Amen. And you can see how to help somebody else on that road. I mean, that was masterful from the word of God. And so the helmet of salvation is our protection against when the devil assaults your mind. Let me just tell you this. Every thought you and I have is not our own. You can have a thought that emanates from God. It starts, though, in your spirit. God is not a mind. He doesn't talk to your mind. Are you listening to me? The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle to the Lord. The Holy Ghost leads you in your spirit. Well, how am I ever going to know it? Because it's in your spirit first, and then, it's, and then because your, your spirit is, is encapsulated in your cardia, which is your heart, not the, bud, the, the one that pumps, the cardia, the center of you, like, you know, um, like, well, this is the best way I know, like when they used to use wooden bats, and, you, and you'd hear it smack, and it just that beautiful sound. Um, it, it's, they call it the heart of the bat. Or better yet, when Pastor Ron and I first got married, you know, we'd go get a watermelon instead of having today, like they cut them up for us because it's just easier. But back then, because it was cheaper, we got a watermelon. But um, we would cut it in half, and then I would eat the middle part, the heart, because it's the nicest. And then I would leave her the rind. And, and I, I learned quickly that's not what you do when you're married. Um, and so um, that's what we did growing up. But anyway, so, but that's the heart. It's the center of you. It's the sweet spot. Uh, and that's where God talks to you. Well, I need him to talk to my mind. Well, that's not the way it works. So it doesn't matter what you need. Um, it, this is how it works. 
And so if you've got to learn how it works, so he talks first to your spirit, and it can get to your mind so that you can have a corresponding action of obedience. All right? I want to talk to you about this, the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? I know a lot of people in our circles. Have you ever confessed, I have the mind of Christ? How many know that's a good confession? I have the, everybody said, I have the mind of Christ. But I want you to see this before we get into this, is that that's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 2. Let's, 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 let's look there. I think that's where I want to start. Okay, let's start the message right now. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, verse 9, but it is written, I has not seen or ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. We're talking about the helmet of salvation. We're talking about we have an enemy. He has fiery darts. He has wiles. He has devices. And his primary aim is your soul. That is his arena. The devil's arena is the soul, especially your mind, especially thoughts. And so God is also after your soul. You know, we say, uh, you know, Sunday morning in, at Cornerstone right in here, uh, someone's going to get born again. That's my confession. That's what I believe. All year long, every Sunday, someone's going to get born again. Hallelujah. And so when they get born again, we would say, hey, three souls got saved. And I understand that, and I don't mind that. But really, three spirits got born again. Because souls are minds, wills, and emotions. And guess what? You have to get your soul saved. It doesn't initially happen. And when you get your soul saved, you can keep your body under. But if you never get your soul saved, your body's going to rule and reign in your life. And you're going to live in, you're going to practice sin, you're not going to walk the way. You may go to heaven when you die, but down here on the earth, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. But the good news is we can get our souls saved. And that's really what I'm talking about. So I want you to see this, that it says, I has not seen, near ear, heard, neither heard, entered into the heart of man, the things which God has preferred. But God, everybody say, but God. Woo! But God has revealed. So where does revelation happen? It happens in your spirit. By his spirit, revealed. Everybody say, revealed. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit is searching all things, even the deep things of God, right? For What man knoweth the things of God knows, save the spirit of man which is in him. The spirit. So this is talking about in the spirit. Right? Are you with me? Now we have received. What do you receive? Really, you firstly, you receive in your spirit. Not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of a God. That we might know. Where does knowing really happen? It happens in the spirit. Which those things we speak, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They're foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, and yet he is judge of no man. But for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It says, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, this is not a huge deal, and I know different people teach this different ways, but when I think of the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is on the inside of you. Because this is all talking about things of the Spirit. It's a positional truth. It's part of your salvation. And I do believe it's part of the helmet of salvation. But it's a spiritual truth. So now stick with me. I confess I have the mind of Christ. What do I mean? My spirit man is aware that the Holy Ghost and the Word of God can teach me and I can think the thoughts of God. I mean, some people say they take a scripture only halfway. God's ways are beyond finding out. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And how many know that's absolutely true? But God has revealed them to you. He has revealed to you every thought that you needed to know. These are his thoughts. So they're not beyond finding out anymore. And you can begin to think like him. First, though, it's done in your spirit. Everybody say it again. I have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, I believe, it seems to me from studying this and other things, that that's in your cardia. 
That's in, that's in your soul. That, 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 that's where he talks to you. That's how you understand. You're born again, and you got everything that you needed. And part of what you needed in order to understand God was you got the mind of Christ. How many of you have ever heard, I have this testimony. I have a, a man that I dearly loved, and he helped me, and he blessed me. But he would say to me, is, I don't understand that book. Well, anytime you call it that book, that means to me that, yeah, probably not born again. But he said, I don't understand that book. And, and, he, was, uh, and he was in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. But he confessed to me, he said, I don't understand that book. So what did I know? He's not born again. Because that book will come alive to you and be the word of God the moment you're born again. And what some people look at that and they say, I don't understand that. And it contradicts itself and blah, 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 blah. But once you get born again, what happens? What happened? You got the mind of Christ. And then you know the author, the Holy Ghost, who wrote it because he lives on the inside of you. And then it becomes revelation to you. And so you can boldly confess, I have the mind of Christ. But if all you ever do is confess the mind of Christ and then don't do anything with your thoughts, you can confess that and confess that and be in trouble. Do you understand why I brought it up? I don't want to harp on it, but I've, I've watched a lot of people. I have the mind of Christ. Yes, it's true. You do. Keep confessing it. But if you're going to do really have the um, helmet of salvation working in your life, you're going to have to do something. Now, how I many you know God's side you can't do? But your side, he can't do. And one of the things he cannot do for you is renew your mind. Come on, y'all Wednesday night folk. And you know this, and I'm just trying to encourage you. Listen, anytime the enemy has an onslaught, you got to make sure that you, you, yes, you're submitted to God, but one of the things you have to, because the devil's main devices, the, the main wiles, the main things he have are thoughts. So that's why you got to know. You remember Brother Hagin uh, used to say this, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from making a nest in your hair. I'm going to give her credit for this about three more times than I'm going to for, forgot that I'm not going to say it anymore. Lynette Estrada, y'all remember Kenneth and Lynette uh, Estrada? They did our uh, Valentine's banquet last year, and he did Wednesday night. She says it this way: um, You have to keep your mind renewed every day. Like your, your teeth won't stay brushed. How many of y'all think we ought to brush your teeth every day yes. for a number of reasons? Yes. But how many of you know they won't stay brushed just because you brush them once? Oh, you know, please brush your teeth more than once a week. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah, amen? amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> but why do, we, why do we not renew our mind, which is more important? So every time you brush your teeth, some of you do it two, three times a day. Do you renew your mind that much? So I'll give Lynette credit. Hallelujah. That's a good one. That's real. I don't know about the bird and the hair thing. That's not too real. But brushing teeth, man, that's real. Right? Amen. And that's what this is about. Um, renewing your mind. Thinking right. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know this scripture. This is familiar. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Everybody good? Yes. Woo! Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you. That's strong. I beseech you. It's not casual. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's stop there. Listen to me. If we don't transform our mind, then we're being conformed. Even though you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, if you don't continue to renew your mind... And go through the metamorpho. That word transformed is metamorpho. You all know this if you've been around here for a while because I love that word. Metamorpho is a tadpole to a frog, a caterpillar to a butterfly. We call it metamorphosis. A creature that becomes something totally different than its original state. That's what you and I will be if we renew our mind. It is so important, the mind. Well, why didn't God just push a button and just give us a new one? And I thought that's what the mind of Christ was. Well, if that's what the mind of Christ is, then there's no reason to renew. But you and I know we have to renew. 
if you don't renew, you are conformed. And there's a lot of conform, conform, I don't even know how to say it. The devil's trying to conform us. What's he trying to do? He, he, he's blasting the church, blasting the youth, blasting children with things that will conform them into ungodliness. Through what? Through words, through thoughts and pictures. What's he doing? He's trying to conform them, shape them, mold them to what? To his likeness, to his image, even though they may be born again. What's God want? This is a battle for our minds. And only we can win it by waging it by renewing. So we have to, we have the word of God, the logos, the written word of God, as we renew it, also then becomes the rhema. And faith is produced from it. But in this, what we're talking about, the helmet of salvation, if we don't renew our mind every day, thank God for what you did yesterday. Thank God some of you were in Bible Institute and you graduated and you wore a red cap. But if you're not picking up the word every day to keep your mind renewed, and I'll be real honest, it's something I have to work on. What? Yes, I have to work on. You know, I think the Lord made me do those daily breads as much for me as he did them for you. And there's times when I go to study that he, he said, I'm not giving you anything. Sit down, read your Bible, and pray every day. He said, I've had him. It's like, Lord, I don't have time. Basically, it was like, I don't care. You get up and give him nothing. But you're going you're to take care of yourself. And I really have to work at it. Because there's sometimes I do it. And I know if I do it, I know you're busy. Find a way to renew your mind. And don't let everybody else just spoon feed you. Right? You got to do it yourself. It's your mind. Brush your teeth. <laughs> I mean, when you're a child, your mom will brush your teeth or your daddy brush your teeth. But there comes a time when I'm tired of brushing your teeth. Brush your own. We show you how to do it. You do it. Praise the Lord. Are, are you... So we got to renew how, how many, the, the transformation. My goodness. Then you begin to think like God. And then when you think like God, you begin to speak like God. Not even in King James, but just the word of God. You renew your mind. And, and listen, uh, you know, this is often misquoted, but this next part, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. A lot of people believe that's talking about three different wills. It's really not. There aren't three different wills. You're either in or you're out. Okay, I mean, the Lord will work with you. He's not a tyrant. He's not, he's not mean. But really what it's saying is that if you want to know if you're in the good, acceptable, and perfect will, which are all um, supposed to be, would those be adjectives of what the will of God is like? It's good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. It's good. So how do you get there? Well, the Lord needs to speak to me. Yes, that's one way. But you're not going to get there and stay there unless you are transformed. It seems as though that the renewing of our mind, the helmet of salvation, keeps us in the will of God. What's the devil always trying to get you to do? Yes, sin, but one of the things he loves to get you to do is get you out of the will of God. Right? He loves to get you out of the will of God. Why? Because he's so smack out of the will of God, he can never get back. He once walked in the will of God when his name was Lucifer. And he sinned and got out of the will of God. And was kicked out of heaven. And he may know he, you know, maybe he can drive you to a certain place. But he, he loves to get the people of God out of the will of God. Because he knows what it's like. But what keeps us there? Yes, being led by the Holy Ghost. Yes, coming to church. But transforming your mind. So you're not conformed to the thoughts of this world and this world system. And the Lord says it to me all the time. The devil ain't playing and I wish you'd quit. Because the devil is serious about stealing, killing, and destroying. Right? And we got to be serious about transforming our minds. I mean, the mind is so important when it comes to the enemy. Um, you know, I, I often think about, um, you know, the children of Israel. Because the devil uh, is not talked a lot about in the Old Testament. 
but he's there, but they didn't have a revelation of who he was because he was there. I know he was there because he was in the garden. And he didn't go away. He stayed on the earth. He messed with Job. Right? He was there. He, 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 uh, he showed up, but, you know, the Bible didn't talk about it that way, but he's always been the enemy of mankind. And for so long, he ruled over mankind. He, and he still is. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air. Uh, the apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, called him the God of this world, little g. He's not my God. He's not your God. But he's the one that causes all the bad stuff. You know, when they say act of God, I'm like, I always yell at him. Yes, it's an act of God, but it's an act of the God of this world. Right. It's not an act of my God. But, but you understand that um, the, if the devil, and he always has, tried to mess with our thinking. And, and let's say as a born-again believer, we don't get our mind renewed. We're not transformed, then we have been conformed. And who are we conformed by? The devil. And so then we stay carnal. Remember the apostle Paul said, I could write to you as only carnal, mere men. What is carnal? Well, a carnal person is, all they can do is live in this seen realm. They're moved by what they see. They're moved by what they feel. All sense realm. And so you can go back all the way. How many of you know, for the, you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? They came out with silver and gold. None were sick or feeble among them. And then they went in, sent 12 spies into the promised land. How many of you know, they came back with those big old grapes, even the better than the grapes from Chile. Hallelujah. Uh, but they came out with these big old grapes. And they said, it's just like God said. But. It's just like God said. But. And remember. How did that happen? They began to think about and feel what they saw. What did they see? There's giants. I'm this tall. He's that tall. I've been a slave making bricks. He's been fighting. I am no match for him. Walled cities. The wall's so big. You know, I know people say they race chariots. I don't know where they get that. I think it's cool. Hope, I don't know if it happened or not. But I do know that Rahab lived in them. Their condo was in there. So those are some big walls. People lived in them walls. Wall, I saw walled cities. And I tell you this one all the time because it just amuses me so much. They even came back and said, the land will eat you. You know, like a, one of those cactuses that eats fly. And they're saying, the land itself will consume you. These people then, because uh, uh, of what they begin to think, they begin to picture, then they begin to say, and then they swayed a whole generation. What they saw, they begin to meditate on, they begin to see an outcome. Who helped them do that? The devil, because he wants no one walking in the promised land. God did not change. The walls did not change. The giants didn't get any smaller, and the land didn't quit eating, whatever that was. But they began to see it. Because remember, this is what they said in Numbers 13, 33. Let's put this up. You all know the scripture, but let's look at it. What, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the helmet of salvation. And what am I talking about the helmet of salvation? If you don't change the way you think, it will keep you away from the promises of God, even though they're yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Because you will be letting and I will be letting, and I've done it and you've done it, um, let the devil talk us out of something and talk us into who we are or who we're not based on what we see, based on what we feel, and yet we even know what the Word of God says or we've heard from the Holy Ghost, and yet because of something in this sense realm where the enemy works and he works in your thought life. He works in your thought life. It says, you remember he came, they came back and they said, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come out of the giants. And we were in our own sights as, and then it says, and so were we in their sight. They're spies. No, there's no Anak giant ever saw them. Or they wouldn't have come back. They never even saw them. They didn't have a convo with them. Hey, we're coming in to take over the land. God sent us. How you doing today? We'll be back soon. And none of that happened. So the devil so convinced them that these giants were unbeatable, even though God said, I have given you this land. 
that would be just like us. God says to you, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. But your body and your mind will talk you into, yeah, but not you. Yeah, but not now. Yes, but you don't have enough faith. Same, same. You either believe the report of the Lord or you believe what you see, hear, feel, taste, touch, and what the devil is saying to your mind. Now, this is not a light thing, y'all, and it's not easy to get past, and we're not throwing any stones. Don't throw any at me, and I won't throw any at you. Because the truth of the matter is, this is a continual daily battle. And that's why you need to continually daily renew it. So that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I think there, that's just talking about what the written word of God has to say. Because he's talking about renewing your mind. So you can know, how many know the word of God is the will of God? And when you find the will of God, it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And can, you know, the will of God for your personal life, does the Holy Ghost talk to you about that? Sure he will. And you can be in or out. But here, I'm just talking about your mind, uh, the helmet of salvation. Your thought life is so important. You, you know this. Um, uh, what does Proverbs 23, 7 says? It says, as a man thinks in his heart. So I know it says heart there, but where does thinking happen? It happens in your soul. Where does think? Because thinking happen. But as you think about yourself, so are you. That's why it's really important that you don't let nobody... Uh, Talk trash about your children. Amen. I'm just as serious as I could be. Don't you ever let a teacher. I, when I heard Mr. Renner up here. Now, I tell people, and I joke about it because I get to, and I tell my friends, I'm like, I wonder how he feels being the smartest man in the room everywhere he goes. I wonder how that feels. Or when he's sitting down preaching, listening to somebody else, and they're saying something. And, you know, does he ever want to lift his hand and say, I can tell you more about that if you'd like. But he doesn't because he's real humble. He wouldn't. He just roots people on, cheers people on. I know him because he, he's very encouraging. I just encouraging. But, but, but my point is that, that um, somebody told him that, and he had to renew his mind to the truth. Amen, amen. Words are powerful. And you don't want to use negative words to keep your children under control. And neither do you want them to read one chapter in the Bible to discipline them. You've got to figure out something else. Why? Because they're just going to be mad at God while they're reading the Bible. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. Um, you don't even need to come tell me about it. Hallelujah. Um, but as you think in your heart, that's what you're going to be. Why? Because you're thinking on it. You're meditating on it. Remember what the Lord told Joshua? He told to meditate in my word day and night. How much is that? All the time. Why? It's just that important. Because even though Joshua, the youth pastor, and Caleb, the children's pastor, because they had to raise a whole different generation. And as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, as, as people died off, because remember, everybody 20 and under got to go in. Because remember, the parents said, what would you bring us up out here to kill our children? And God said, I'll show you. <laughs> They'll all live. And so, but Joshua and Caleb spent a generation retraining them. But even that, remember, when they went into the promised land, they were around Jericho. Joshua and Caleb had been wandering for 40 years, and they was tired. Because they were supposed to go in the first round. And Joshua said, don't anybody say nothing. I told you what your parents did, and I don't want a word out of y'all. You just say what I tell you to say when I tell you to say it. Don't be thinking. Don't be giving thoughts. Like as you walk around saying, this is stupid. This will never work. You, you just shout when I tell you to shout. And the walls will come down. What is all that? Meditate day and night. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. God didn't change. The walls didn't change. The giants didn't change. The land didn't change. Just the people going in possessing it changed. The will of God didn't change. The will of God was for the first group to get it. No, I don't believe that. That's wrong. Because it was the will of God for the first group to go in and get it. But it was them, not God, that kept them out. It wasn't even the devil that kept them out. It was their thoughts. It was their mindset. It was their mindset. 
Their mindset was, even though they got delivered and there was none sick or feeble among them, they're like, I want to go back to Egypt and eat some garlic and some onions, which both to me are whatever that was, what? Leeks. And what else did they eat? Onions. That's leek. That's bad. That's gross. You can live without onions. Your breath will smell better. Hallelujah. But um, why would you want to go back to that when you got big old grapes? And, and houses you didn't build. Mindset. Mindset. God could get them out of the land, but he couldn't get the land out of them. How do you get the land out of you? How do you get this world system out of you? Renewing the mind. Why is it important? Because there's fiery darts coming. Fiery darts are coming. But see, when they hit your shield of faith, and even if they, you know, but your, your, your helmet, because you've taken the time and renewed your mind and you and I are doing it every day, it'll change some things. Um, let's do this. I'm not going to get done. I keep thinking I'm going to do one. I'm going to do a, just one on the thing, but it looks like two on each, two hours on each one or two times together. I want to leave you with this. Let's begin to look at this. Second Corinthians chapter 10. What happens if we don't renew our mind? And this is uh, what, a lot what Brother Rick was talking about. But 2 Corinthians, let's look at it this way too. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, start at verse number 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. So again, uh, we're warring against the defeated devil, but you're at war. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal or natural, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what are strongholds? It's a fortified place in your mind. Now, I tell people this all the time because if you have a fortified place in your mind, um, thank God for the anointing. Thank God for laying on of hands. But laying on of hands in the anointing does not get rid of these. Okay? You with me? I believe in, y'all, if you hang out with me any while, you know I love laying hands on anything that will move. And if you move twice, I'll lay hands on you twice. I love laying on hands as a doctor in the church. I love the anointing. I thank God for the anointing. It changed my life. But strongholds, which are fortified places in your mind, come down one way. And how do I know they're in the mind? Because it says casting down imaginations. The devil brings a thought, but he doesn't just bring a thought. He brings a picture. Black dog. You can see a black dog. Money. Lots of money. Um, red car, your favorite. I mean, when you say words, you can associate pictures with them. The devil is trying to paint a picture through words that bring an imagination, and it's a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, it's contrary to the word of God. And we have to do what? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this is a hard one. And I know, um, you know, I know, I, I'm like you. I like things easy. Do you like things easy? You know, everybody likes things easy. You know, uh, people used to say to Brother Hagen, he said, will you do what I tell you to do? And they would say to him, well, if it's easy. <laughs> but honestly, this one, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. This one's not easy. Because this is daily. This is training yourself. And once you get it, doesn't mean you have it forever. It's, this is something daily. Like daily bread, you know, or something like that. <laughs> daily. What do you and I have to do? Listen, I would love if you had a problem in your mind. If I, could, I believe in the anointing. And I believe the anointing can break chains off of your mind. I believe the anointing uh, will help you. But when it, even if someone gets instantly delivered, listen to me, if someone gets instantly delivered from alcohol, drugs, pornography, anything like that, that, that has, has them gripped, there's still a mindset that must be renewed Amen. so they can stay free. Uh, I have some people using my book, No Longer Shackled, and I never intended it for this purpose. Um, but I, I, in Chile, I've had people use it. Um, in different parts, they use it, and they use it for recovery groups. Um, because you have to renew your mind, and you have to learn to resist the devil in that area. 
And so uh, you got to learn to cast down imaginations. Well, how many times do I have to do it? I'm getting tired of doing it. Well, if you're getting tired of doing it, the devil's getting tired of bringing it. But you keep you do one more than he does. That's why the proverb says, "What you know, if a man falls down seven times, but he got to get back up." It's not about if you fall down; it's about if you get it back up. So it's not if a thought comes; it's what you do with that thought. And if you don't even do the right thing with that thought, and you've done the wrong thing with that thought, you can still win the next thought. Don't get mad at yourself. Don't quit. Don't throw your hands up and say, I can't do this because you can do this. Amen. So you've got to cast down the imagination and any thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, this is the cool thing, though. This is, it's not the cool thing, but if you don't know what the thoughts of God are, you have the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ will then warn you that's not a thought that you need to think on. And it's like this. So how many of you see that? We've got to cast down imaginations. Uh, take every thought captive. How do you take a thought captive? Well, if it's coming here, you've got to open your mouth. Right? Because I don't have time to do this right now. We might do it next week. But, you know, if, you, uh, if you're, you're thinking a thought and I tell you to start counting to t- or say victory in Jesus, then that thought that you were thinking, you know, or count, I do this a lot of times. Let's do it. Uh, I tell people to count in their mind to 10. You know, one, two, keep, just do it on the inside. Just do it on the inside. Keep counting, keep counting. Keep, don't quit. Keep doing it over and over again. That, that's uno, dos, tres. Okay, you got it? Hallelujah. Then what? And then when I say, say, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then when I say, say victory in Jesus, I want you to keep counting. You're counting. Now say victory in Jesus. Now, most people, almost everybody I've ever met, you can't keep counting. When you open your mouth, it changes something in your mind that your vocal cords have to work. And so the best thing you can do is speak the word. That's how you take that thought captive. Now, I had a teenager argue with me over and over again. He said, I can do it. Okay. Um, But most people cannot. All right, you're thinking something, you open your mouth, it changes it. It does. It does. And so that's why the Lord has designed this to work this way. Um, And and so what will help you? Let's let's end here and then we'll pick up and we'll review uh, next week because I know you're all going to be back. All right, so Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Start at verse 6. Be careful for nothing. What is that? It's worry. Where does worry happen? In your mind, in your soul. Can worry fix anything? Who wants you to worry? The devil. What are worry? It's thoughts. Thoughts about the future. He's trying to paint you a bad picture. Right? And so he wants you to worry about it. Why does he want you to worry about it? Because he wants you to talk about it. Because he needs you to talk about it. He needs you to get in fear about it. Because fear is like faith to fear to the devil is like faith to God. Fear causes some problems. Be careful for nothing, but by everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. So instead of worrying, you're supposed to open your mouth and pray. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What? The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Where's your understanding? In your mind. How many know Jesus said, my peace I leave you? Not as the, the world gives, but, but he gave you his peace. And the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, if you keep your mind stayed on, keep your what? Mind. If I pray in tongues. Praying in tongues is good. I pray in tongues more than y'all. But when it comes to peace, it's about your mind. And your mind has to be stayed on him. If you keep your mind stayed on him, he'll keep you in perfect peace. The battle is for your mind. The battle is for your thoughts. But you've been given the helmet of salvation and the ability to renew your mind. And you have the mind of Christ on the inside of you. And you can do what Peter said. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. Right? But here it's saying, so the peace of God has all understanding. shall keep your hearts, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You need a, you need a guard on your mind. Eight, finally, brethren, right? Whatsoever things are. So when a thought comes, if it's not true, well, how do I know it's true? Well, the truth is always, Jesus said, my word is truth. So if it's not the word of God and it's contrary to the word of God, quit thinking on it. That's what it's saying. 
put a guard, put a garrison. I heard Brother Keith Moore say, somebody came up to him, said it's like being a, uh, you need a bouncer. Now don't pretend like you don't know. Y'all know what a bouncer is. He's at the club and he's got a list, right? Or So you need a bouncer at the door. Now don't go to the club anymore, but you got a bouncer at the door, right? So that's what this is, a thought comes and you need to bounce it. Well, if it's true, you can think on it. If it's not true, I'm not thinking on you. Now listen, this is harder done than said. Now if you get in the middle of it, how many of you know sometimes you'll catch yourself and about 15, 20 minutes in, you'll be like, what was that? Right? Well, it's not too late. You don't have to get a box of Kleenex or throw up your hands. But right then, he's like, all right, that was 15, 20 minutes too long. Lord, forgive me. But that's not true. I'm not thinking about that no more. Amen. Whatever things are honest. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. No, you an ugly thought. Right? You can't stay here. You, ugly thoughts? No, thank you. Right. Lovely. What things have a good report? Oh, everybody needs this one right now. If that's not a good report, why are you meditating on it? Why does it consume your life? Why is it everything you listen to on the radio and the TV revolves around it? It has nothing to do with a godly good report. Well, don't you care? Absolutely not. I don't care. I'm not going to worry about it. Why would I worry about it morning, noon, and night? Why would I eat it all day long? Why would I talk about it? Why would I pick my friends because of it? I'm going to keep serving God. I'll just be real blunt. I already have a king. I live in a kingdom. And I can go anywhere in the world, in any nation in the world, and be quite content. And just because things don't go my way, I have, I have got more opinions than all of you put together. And the, I, that scripture says every, ways, uh, every man's ways are in his right mind. I mean, I believe I have a right mind, and I believe my ways are the best ways. And if everybody would just do my ways, it would be all right. But you know what? It's in my own mind. You can't control everybody and everything. Do the best you can. Believe the best you can. Pray when the Lord tells you to pray. Do what he tells you to do. But don't let it consume your life. Jesus consumes our life. The word consumes our life. It's pure. It's lovely. Whatever things are a good report. If there be any virtue, if it's anything of praise, that's what you can think on. Everything else Bounce it. Well, so-and-so said, good for them. The Bible said. Prophets, good for them. The Bible says. The Bible says. The Word says. Come on, y'all. Let's not open up any. We got enough going on in life. We don't need to open up any side doors to the devil. No back doors. Keep them closed. How? These things. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to work on doing it even better. You're going to do it? 